0: authentic, <laughs> authentic faith is expressed by our loving actions toward others. And not just, it, it's its loving too, loving, absolutely, but it's also actions. And then doing, we'll talk about that here in just a minute. Under, let's get started. How would you describe a person who has great faith in God? And that's a good question. I actually got to thinking about that. I thought, hmm, that's really good. Because coming back to some of the... <laughs> People that I viewed as and watched TVN <laughs> when I was a teenager, you know, and uh, watching people do things. And, and, and my viewpoint was this, and this. I hope you understand when I say this, is not. I'm not watering it down. I thought great faith was if you had a service or somebody that was in the center of a service, Where people were falling out and people were dancing and people were screaming and and things like that i thought that was a show of faith i thought man that's a man the, the faith is just moving in that place the faith is moving as i got older and looking at god's word and having certain things revealed to me truths in the word i realized that 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 was not what i was accustomed to it's not what i was thinking faith was now there is a place for those things those are gifts and those are certain services that are very in particular but i don't necessarily attach those to great faith anymore not the way that i used to when i was younger it's different and even by definition you look at the scriptures i'm like "Mm, no that's good because now it's not what i thought it was i thought i thought that meant faith was at a super high level and i found out that it didn't necessarily mean that especially with all the abuse of it over the years so uh that really stood out to me um faith is not a concrete uh quantity that you can see here or touch the only way to show your faith to others uh and help them come to faith in christ is by the way you live that's is ah, by the way you live so already already i have a definition here to me of faith that's off of what i had initially began this journey in i looked at people and and i my own personal mistakes i looked at people and i would put them on high levels that's a great person of faith what does that mean though and then when i got this definition here as the lesson kind of unfolds you can start to see it kind of come into view it's 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 not how loud you are It's not how boisterous you are. It's not how appealing it is. It's how you live it. That's the first thing. That's the first step. It's how you live it. So already, already that starts to redefine some things. Um, The relationship between faith and works has been questioned and debated for centuries by theologians. In this chapter, James described faith, discussed how it is demonstrated, and gave Old Testament examples to help his readers understand it. We would do well to carefully study his words. Faith is more than mental assent to the truths found in God's word. What is mental assent, church? What is that? What does it mean when it's talking about mental assent? Believe you
1: think.
0: Okay, yeah, it is. It's it's contextually. Let's put it this way. It's like, okay, by cognitively, I have we have a definition of faith and we understand it by like just mental. It's like we look at the word and you cognitively process what it's saying and then you understand that faith is something you can't see and you can't touch. It's like, okay, I get that, but it's something you believe. Okay, yeah, I've got faith. See, that's mental assent. It's, it's an idea, okay? It's an idea and then understanding at least to a certain perception, to a certain length, mentally, we understand it. Okay? Lightly. It's mental ascent.
1: Lightly. Uh, I'm sorry. Lightly.
0: Yeah, lightly. Right. Me- the Mental capacity is just mental it's capacity. It doesn't penetrate. Yeah, it's, it's not... Well, it, and it's just two different, com- completely different areas. You're talking about mental, and then you're talking about what the heart receives. Two completely different train of thoughts. The, the heart has a mind of its own. The brain has, you know, it's, it does its own thinking. So two are completely different worlds. So you've got this mental ascent that people, that they, they have this thinking... And if you're not careful, mental assent can become your belief system. Does that make sense? What you think about a certain situation can be what you turn into your faith. It's like it's like uh, kind of like saying, "Well, I've got this thing figured out," or "Well, I understand this." Well, in what degree do you believe that you understand this? Yes, you understand. Um, well, it's kind of like so I view it kind of like coming to a service you think you know we come to services or we come to church and they just preach the same thing all the time and they just kind of go on and on and it's just kind of boring sometimes that's mental ascent that's your mental ascent working the fact that you idealistically think that you already know what's going to be said and you think that there's nothing to glean from that situation that's mental ascent because the mental the mental is what gets burned out in a person Does that make sense that's the thing that kind of runs the truth
1: Careful on acting on mental sin,
0: which,
1: mm-hmm. which I've seen people that like, have a thought. Well, that suddenly becomes a spiritual ah, that's good, yeah. Drive. Yeah. No, it's not. It's just your own thought. Yeah. Be careful with that stuff.
0: Absolutely. Oh, well, and we could go as far as to say, uh, the Lord spoke to me. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. <laughs> that's a that's a toughy there. I won't get into that right now. But that's a definitely a spot where we could get into trouble. Is mental assent being asserted to? Uh, thus saith the Lord. So faith is trust and confidence that God's word is true and that God will do what he has promised. All right, now let's let's hash that out. Faith is trust and confidence that God's word is true and that God will do what he has promised. So we also know that faith faith by definition, impartiality, this is, these are just steps. Understand this is not it in totality. These are pieces. That a part of what faith is is this trust and confidence, not in self, not in what you know, but it is in what God has said. It's in what His Word says. It's it's that what He said is going to take place, and that He is going, and that whatever He has promised us is going to it, it's going to actually happen. So that's a part of our faith. So so uh, it says we will display genuine faith in God by active obedience to God and His Word. Okay, you believe that? Amen. So, display. So, it's talking about actually doing what we think we know. We will display genuine faith in God by active obedience to God and His Word. So, we already get some indications here that faith is not just the belief in something, that it has to be coupled. It is a, this is one of the things that I think gets lost often. And I don't mind. Teaching on works by themselves, and I don't mind teaching on faith by themselves, that's fine. But by biblical definition, faith is paired with something else in order for it to be effective. By definition, it has to be. And that, if you start to get a hold of that, that really starts to make you rethink what we think we know about faith. Also, on the other end of the spectrum, it should also make you rethink what you think about works. Mm -hmm. Because the old time, the, the kind of upbringing and the old time belief system was that faith got all the attention, works got all the negative attention. Faith got all the attention. Great people of faith, you know, learn God's word, learn God's word, learn God's word, learn God's word. And then there was this other end of the spectrum that was works. Can't be saved by works. Can't be saved by works. Can't be saved by works. It was this kind of ideology that separated the two. And works was bad. Faith was good. But biblically, they belong together. And we need to discuss that. Go ahead, Passion.
1: I just caught something there. Display by active obedience. Uh-huh.
0: Yeah.
1: Well, there's a lot of display going on.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Right? Yeah. <laughs> I, but we see it. Look at the religious spirit. There's a lot of display going on. Oh, yeah. Well, what is the genuine? Right. The genuine is what counts, not the poobah.
0: Yeah. And that's, I think, why why there's such a blowback, and I hate it. I really hate it because it feels like we have to sift through, we have to sift through the mess of the of the uh, so-called church, to actually get through that, and then to actually get to witness to other people. And it's tough because you got to think about it. I mean, let's think about it from the outside the outside viewpoint. Okay, let's say I'm an unsaved Christian, and I'm looking. These Christians are fighting amongst themselves. Mm You know, you got this sect over here that says I'm right. You got this sect over here that says I'm right. It's this constant battle. Well, the truth of it is, what has happened is that over time, and and as Pastor pointed out here, it said that we will display genuine faith. Genuine faith has a different look to it, and it always comes back to what God has said, what thus saith the Lord, and what pleases God. Those those are those are fine-tuned pieces that you cannot you cannot x those out of genuine faith, Uh, but there's also a sect of the church that just uses the word faith, talks about big faith, boisterous faith, and then doing certain things in faith to see God to see certain results. And it's starting to deviate away from what the genuine definition of faith is. And remember what we said in there at the beginning is that um, the only way to actually show faith is to actually live it out. So that was a part of it. De- that's to me. That's just me. But i I got scripture to back this up. To me, that is one of the things that separate and one of the rules of thumb that I can look for as an individual to sift through the mess that I'm involved in is that you say you've got faith, but yet you're doing all this stuff on the side, and we know that's not biblical. It's not biblical, but yet you say you're a person of faith. Mm, I'm going to have to say that that's not right. You see, faith is not just because you say it's faith. Faith is lived. He actually lived out. So, anyway. Uh, Pastor, do you have anything you want to say? I uh, got
1: a lot. <laughs> <laughs> okay.
0: <laughs> yeah, we gotta, we gotta go through it. I'm gonna try to finish today. I really am. Um, our good works um then are evidence of our faith in God. Whoa, but I thought good works was just good works. I thought I thought good works was a a bad thing because I thought, man, if you're trying to live by works alone, it's not gonna work. Well, over the years, that that has been kind of planted in people that they're like, well, works just isn't worth anything. No, that's not the case. On the other on the flip side of it, it should be a natural occurrence to your Amen. faith in Christ. Amen. It's like living out what you believe, living it out, doing what the word says to do. So uh, that's And I love this introduction because this is under let's get started. But just remember as we go through this, that this is a pairing of faith and works together. And I, I hope that you examine your own personal life and you kind of see where you're at in this pursuit. And that if you're looking like, for instance, I mean, if you're looking for more faith, you know, we know that faith cometh <clears> by <throat> hearing, hearing by the word of God. We know that's a we, scripturally. That's true. That's great. Now, Once you acquire more faith, what are you going to do with it? What are you doing? What are you going to do with the faith that you've acquired? It's like, I want more faith. Everybody wants more faith in here, right? But then what are you going to do with it when you get it? You just got to go to work. It's like, we got to go to work now. It's not just made to, it's not like you just keep rising and rising and rising. And it's like, you know, like I said, you know, back when I was younger, I, I actually had this idea that that's what that looked like. The face of more faith was like, and, and you would just get healed all of a sudden, and people around you would fall out in the spirit. And I'm like, that was the wrong view of what faith looked like. Go ahead.
2: You know, I think we, we forget it a lot. And, and sometimes, and I hate to say it like this, but I think Christians don't even realize it. They just carry this faith around. And, and yeah, anybody, yeah, I've got faith. I, I believe, I believe. But but the, the truth of it is, you've got to have something feeling that. Like, yeah. How are you going to ever back it
0: up? Right. Uh, right.
2: You know, you want a deeper, stronger faith. You got to feel it by the works. Yeah. You know, by performing those works, it, You know, you just you get some an empowerment from it. You know, a, a justification like, hey, I'm I'm doing the work and, and I'm seeing results. <coughs> you know, it's, it's yeah, it's true I'm know, doing
0: what right? I've been told to do. Exactly. That's good. That's go ahead, and then I'll get you. Ahead. Just
1: real quick. The good works are not something that we're trying to fabricate out of the air. Right. They're in the word. Yeah. yeah. yeah it's right there in front of us. The word of God. Mm-hmm. You can't do your own makeup. Yeah. That's another pr- problem there. It, we we got to stay within the confines of scripture.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, you get you don't get to define what a good work is by just calling it a good work. Yeah. So, I did something good. Well, you know, let's see if it actually lines up with what, you know, the word says. Yeah, go ahead.
3: And I was just thinking, like, as we've been talking through this, of, like, the most faithful people I've known in my own life, and to, like, bounce off what you said about it being magical, the most faithful people I've ever met have been, like, the meekest spirit people. Like, they sit to them, they're not making a spectacle. Most, you know, like, they are just the people you can go to, and they can give you so much wisdom, but they're not going to, like, impose that out and let everybody know, oh, I'm so faithful, I'm this, I'm that. Like and I'm thinking of all the wonderful people in my own life who have been like that, and you would never yeah. know until they really open their mouth and talk to you. But you do know by their life and the way they live. Right, and mm-hmm. it's never a spectacle, really.
0: And that, all this comes back to something we've talked about in here, and I've I this. I was just talking to a, a brother about this uh, the other day, and and at times we'll I'll get to talk to this to you know about that to other people, but practical Christianity church, practical stuff, basic. Fundamental living according to God's word. And this is, to me, when we start talking about faith and works, this right here is as practical as it gets. Living out the very thing that you know is thus saith the Lord and according to God's word. Not going into this thing as this, you know, uh, to garner some large following or some big deal. And that's what it seems like today is everybody's after a following and everything's after. But everybody wants a voice and everybody wants a say in the matter and all of these things. And it's like, the, the, one of the most important things you can do is just stay in your circle. And if I could say it, lack of a better way of saying it, stay in your lane. <laughs> stay in your lane. Don't go outside and think, but it. God, it's always funny to me when people start talking about Amen. great faith. And this, over the years, I've discovered this. And this is my own personal my own personal research. Write it down. I think it's like 100 for 100. I think it's like 100%. Anybody that I've ever seen that was pushing. I mean, I'm talking like pushing. And they had this like idea that God has got a big thing for me. I've heard that millions of times. And it always seemed like when God had something big for those individuals that it always meant being in front of somebody and being recognized and noticed. I always thought that was an interesting thing. And it's a common denominator. And I noticed that. Is that God's going to do something big in my life. And it's like, well, what do you mean by big, though? Yeah. What, 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 what is big? And big was always something to be seen and to be recognized and for gratification and all those things. And so I say that because that should be a red flag, mm-hmm. not the green light. Mm-hmm. If you start having these ideas of gratification and that God is going to lift you up. No, my word says I lift him up. Amen. And I always thought that was funny, too, because it's like, well, uh, you know, throughout the years, people would say, "I'm a, God's going to lift me up so I can lift him up. Oh, so that's it. Oh, that's how it works. Okay. You see, there's, there's such a sneaky part of our flesh that weasels its way in. I'm not going to say, I'm not going to give credit to the devil. That's right. Because that's not a devilish thing. That's your own flesh. Mm. That's just your own flesh squirming in saying, don't forget me. Give me some credit. That's what it wants. And so God may have spoken some things to you. I have been spoken to. I could tell you some things that God has told me over the years. And if I was to tell you exactly what he told me, you'd be like, hmm. Okay, I could see where you could get off on that. I took it out of context. I have seen over the years, I've found out exactly what he was talking about. But I took it out of context. You can take things that God says out of context. Even on a personal level, in your own bedroom, in your own prayer life, God can speak something to you, and you can take it out of context. And then discover years later, he was not talking about nothing even of the sort. He was talking about this over here. And a lot of times what he was talking about was much smaller than what you had, was was thinking it was going to be. I
4: just want to say, um, yeah, yeah, I agree. Growing up, you know, there's a negative connotation with for me for with works and I think that's because mentally I have under my head that it's in my own power to do these works, right? And that's I'm good. Excluding yeah. him out of it. When i um, on this journey and this love affair with Christ that I'm on, it's it's only by His power and might that I'm capable of doing any of these works because I don't even like people. I don't like a lot of, my flesh naturally, right? Hey, I'm good. No, come on. It's not good. So it's like <laughs> yeah. it, it's all the glory is to Him by me doing these works. Yes. And it's, I've gotten to a place to where I don't really consider them works because I just want to live this way out of my
0: love and adoration come on, Absolutely. Good. You know? Yeah. Right. So. I, I really love that, though. You mentioned that you don't even like people. <laughs> they annoy me.
4: <laughs> That's really good.
0: Sorry. I mean, and I just my it's like my journey to even stand at this place i had to go through this the going through dealing with that same type of thinking process like i just want to be hidden leave me alone <laughs> just off in the back but that's it's like I. but i love him right. and so but that demands something too and it's like every time and maybe y'all are the same way maybe you feel it's like well i i love him and i love what he's he's done in my life so Then I feel him move me, and I'm like, well, I can't just not do anything. I want to do something for you. I want to honor you. Mm -hmm. And that's what leads to that. That's what pushes us to the next place. Mm -hmm. And so um, I think if we were all honest, and I appreciate your honesty, if we were all honest, as Blaine was this morning, we'd all find ourselves uh, understanding that we are just just a broken vessel trying to be obedient to him Mm -hmm. and going and doing things that we would not otherwise do if not been for the love of Jesus. So, okay, let's finish out. In this week's study, we will explore the relationship between faith and works. Because we know Christ, we should not neglect the needs of others. Our faith will challenge us to find ways to help those in need. Allow this study in James 2, 1-26 to challenge you in making your faith known to others through your good works. Then others will glorify God because of your uh, life of faith. Very good. Okay. Scripture, page 7. I had to go ahead.
3: James 2:1, one My dear brothers and sisters, how can you claim to have faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ if you favor some people over others? For example, suppose someone comes into your meeting dressed in fancy clothes and expensive jewelry and another comes in who is poor and dressed in dirty clothes. If you give special attention and a good seat to the rich person but you say to the poor one, you can stand over there or else sit on the floor, well, doesn't this discrimination show that your judgments are guided by evil motives? Yes, indeed. It is good when you obey the royal law as found in in the scriptures. Love your neighbor as yourself. But if you favor some people over others, you are committing a sin. You are guilty of breaking the law. For the person who keeps all of the laws except one is as guilty as the person who has broken all of God's laws. For the same God who said, you must not commit adultery, also said, you must not murder. So if you murder someone but do not commit adultery, you have still broken the law. So whatever you say or whatever you do, remember that you will be judged by the law that sets you free. There will be no mercy for those who have not shown mercy to others. But if you have been merciful, God will be merciful when he judges you. What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith but don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing and you say, Goodbye and have a good day stay warm and eat well. But then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? So you see, faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. Now someone may argue, some people have faith, others have good deeds. But I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. Don't you remember that our ancestor Abraham was shown to be right with God by his actions when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see, his faith and his actions work together. His actions made his faith complete. So you see, we are shown to be right with God by what we do, not by faith alone. Just as the body is dead without bread, so also faith is dead without good works.
0: Yeah. All right. man. Yeah, thank you. Good set of scriptures there. A lot of stuff to chew on in that. Section 1, Partiality Condemned. James wrote to mostly Jewish Christians, but a number of Gentile believers were also included. By addressing his readers as my brethren, my dear brothers and sisters, James recognized the bond in Christ between the believers. He addressed economic differences, but he all, uh, may have also uh, have perceived ethnic tensions. Now, the, the reason that this was a tension in this letter, and that you were getting both receiving this, and we had talked about this before, first of all, you got to understand when the letter was written, which was somewhere in the 40 or 50 AD, somewhere around in there. And what you had was, is remember we talked about this in the past, so you had the Jewish uh, belief system, and then you had uh, Christ come, he died, and then you had this grafting in uh, Gentile believers. And so that caused friction amongst the people who were the most faithful to the Jewish law. They were like, hey, we ain't supposed to have nothing to do with them. But now then you had Gentiles coming into the synagogues and, and coming in and getting saved and mixing with them. And this caused issues. They were like, hey, man, I don't, I have nothing to do with you people. <laughs> Technically speaking, they were looked at them as they were lowlifes. They were like, y'all have got no value whatsoever. Now that initially had come from the fact that they were not supposed to be associated with them because they were Gentiles. Well, then here comes this grafting, and here comes uh, Peter and Cornelius and, and this whole thing that took place in the moving of the Holy Spirit. And now they're being forced to intermingle with them, and they're like, we don't like this. I don't don't like having to do this. And their viewpoint caused some problems. So this is where James is writing this in addressing the rich versus the poor, um, the ethnic issue, the economic issue. And so he said that James asked, how can you claim to have faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ if you favor some people over others? Well, that's really good. That's a question. And I want to stop right there because I asked a question earlier. (laughs) How can you claim to have faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ if you favor some people over others? Well, the problem that we have is that we take take that viewpoint of rich versus poor and then we kind of put that as the the only version of partiality that you can have. It's absolutely not true. That's just an example. Of Rich versus poor where you you might be able to find that at True we can talk about that, but a lot of times our partiality comes from clicks I use the word clicks the clicks is not in here. It's not in here, but I use the word click because It's this idea that we are partial to someone for a set of reasons that we have derived for our own Set of reasons that we've derived on our own. No one really told us why we should view par, view them partially above other people, but we have our own reasons. And so that's the thing that I'm really referring to this morning is if you want to find out if that's you, you're gonna have to kind of go off the beaten path, so to speak, and you're gonna have to see if you have been showing partiality to people for reasons of your own. Yeah, can you show the question really is, I mean, it's like, okay, they use rich versus poor. Well, okay, just let's just say everybody's rich. Or everybody's poor or the people that you congregate with are all rich or the people that you congregate are all poor. They're all in the same group, but yet we prefer or we put above certain people in those classes into a separate class that we deem being higher than anyone else. That's partiality. If you look at it only from the viewpoint of rich and poor, black and white, if you only look at it from that perspective, then I don't think you you get it. Because you then, you then you automatically let yourself off the hook. Oh, I would never do that. I would never be partial to, to somebody who didn't have any money or, or that was that, that was uh, having a struggling or having a hard time. I would never do that. Well, it depends on what context you put that in. And so you have to be very careful in defining what partiality is. And you have to really go into it and look within yourself and make sure that you haven't been showing any partiality to any sect of people for any reason at all across the board. And a lot of those things will come from rules in your own self that you've derived as to how you picked those individuals higher than other people. Pastor, are you going to say something? No. Okay, sorry. Go ahead, Sean. Yeah, it was you. I'm sorry. Go <laughs> sorry. ahead, Sean. Uh,
1: during this whole thing, I, I started running around work, Telling everybody it's like, hey, go vote no, blah blah blah, for that thing that was trying to pass yeah. on a Tuesday. And by the end of the day, Lord's like, why aren't you telling everybody? talk to everybody about it. like, all right, fine. And I started talking to everybody about it, and I ended up talking to one person who was like, no, and he was telling me the reason why, blah mm-hmm. blah blah. Sure. And I, I, it led me to start thinking it's like, have I put myself in an echo chamber where I only talk to believers and I don't talk to other non-believers? That's anymore? a good question. And like, so I just hang out with believers all the time, and I don't really. I will say good morning, God bless to those that don't believe, but I won't spend much time asking how they're doing, blah, 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 stuff like that, trying to Getting reach into out the to world. them. To
0: Getting into them, the world.
1: Yeah. To be able to share my faith with them and works with them. Yeah. But as I got challenged, it's like, did I put myself in an echo chamber where I don't talk to people like that
0: anymore? And I was like, Man That's a really good that's a really good question, Sean, because I think I think every one of us need to answer that question. Yeah. Is do we only surround ourselves with people who agree with us? Yeah. It, especially in the Christian faith, I mean, it's easy to do that. I mean, we just hang around with people that kind of echo the same thing that we say. And it always makes us feel good. You know, it's like, I, you know, I did my work for the day. It's like, I talk to a bunch of people that believe the same thing that I do. Yeah. And it's like, does does that really, is that really effective as far as furthering the faith and doing what it is that God has asked us to do? I think that's really good, man. Okay. Okay. Um, Okay. One uh, who wore fancy clothing and jewelry was uh, treated kindly and given a place of honor while a poor person who was not well-dressed and lacked good hygiene was told to stand likely at the back of the room or to sit on the floor. Favoritism in the church today may not be that obvious, but our attitudes can certainly have a negative impact. So what, what the lesson does here is it switches gears and said, basically what the lesson is saying is stop thinking about it so literal and start looking at your attitude. That's what it's challenging us to do it's like look within yourself kind of like what sean was saying it's like look in yourself if you really want to figure out if this is something that exists in your own life so says so we sometimes show favoritism toward people who share our interests or have positions of authority or name recognition man that's really good because that's like the definition of politics today <laughs> that is like the core version of politics well what let's break those things down Share our interests. I'm going to underline that. Have positions of authority. I'm going to underline that, or have name recognition. I'm going to underline that. Um, I don't. I've only met him a couple times. This kind of give you an idea of the way people are. Um, I have. I do work for Blake Shelton. I do all of his properties, and we do a lot of work on on his stuff, and uh, we've been doing it for years now. And it's not a big deal to me. Um, I'm not a fanboy. Does that make sense? I'm not a fanboy. But I met fanboys who knew I was there and tried to get a picture for them. (laughs) And I was like, it's like, you, you think there's any way you could get a picture? I'm like, no! No, that's the reason I've been there for years because I've never asked for a picture. I don't tool around with those kind of things. I like to get paid.
4: Yeah.
0: <laughs> Does that make sense? <laughs> you don't mess up your money. You don't mess up your money. And so it's it's funny how people are because I'm not and I'm not knocking those people. I understand when people are fans and they get excited about stuff. but it's funny how when you look at that and they get really, really, Excited? Like, is there any way you can get me in there? Is there any way you can get them to say hi? I'm like, are you kidding me? You want to say hi? I'm like, it's amazing what people want to do just for that five seconds. Seven, five seconds of recognition.
1: I'm going to say this because you brought it up. I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> what if he were to walk in here and sit down? That, yeah.
0: That, what would be your... What would be the response? Yeah. Should yeah. be like anybody else Yeah, are we going to have a normal service or is it going to be... Yeah, exactly. So those are some things to think about, church. Those are some things to think about. So partiality may be based on ethnicity or family backgrounds. We can demonstrate God's love when we value people for who they are and not for what they possess, what they can do for us, or which uh, special people they know. One of the reasons uh, also that this is such a good example is... So... With the rich, there's an opportunity to gain something. But see, poor people don't have nothing to give you. There's nothing there to give. And so that's what the challenge is, is you may be catering to people hoping to get a little excess on the side, when with the poor, you have to do it out of your heart because they're not ever going to be able to give you anything. And so I think that that's a really good thing to consider and to think about when it comes to motive is... A lot of times our motives are pushed because of what we stand to gain and do we stand to gain anything go ahead Ailey. but
3: i also think like that's what you're saying poor people would give you their last dollar and they'll give you so much love and they give you love of the heart mm-hmm. a rich person might give you a hundred dollars but they've got no hundreds love. and hundreds of dollars sure. and you're not getting that love you're getting paid or whatever you're getting a different kind of mm-hmm. satisfaction. Yeah, satisfaction but I feel like with more people I've known that don't have any money, I feel more loved and more gratitude spending time with them than people I do know who do have a lot of money. Which I'm not saying everybody's that way, but.
0: No, no, not. absolutely. No, no, that's good. Well, I always look at it like this. Uh, thank God for rich people, otherwise, we probably wouldn't have jobs.
4: Yeah.
0: Yeah. you got to consider that because God uses that and employs people through that. And, and so, always put it in perspective. That's a good example, though that we understand the value on, on that end of the spectrum and, and that if you're looking for uh, relationship value, you may be able to find it uh, without having ill motive. That's good. Okay. Um, James emphasized the issue of showing partiality, especially to the rich. In James 2.5, he urges his readers to hearken or listen to me. This indicates the intensity of his appeal. God has promised salvation and a place in his kingdom to all who believe, including the poor. Those who are poor in the eyes of God are made rich because of their faith in Him. So he made that very clear. <clears throat> the treatment of the poor in the church, James addressed, stood in direct contrast to God's treatment of poor believers. We too are held responsible for our treatment of the poor. Oh, that's good. That's really good. Poor on on all levels.
4: Yeah.
0: And so I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna hash out, you know, what, you know, with my the whole story on on, uh, giving and things of that nature because a lot of that's going to be on your own self to do that. Um, But the actual giving to the poor is a big thing. It's not going to save you. It's not going to be the thing that that ends all things for you. But there is something about giving to the poor in a very physical manner. And I always say it's a challenge for us here in, in this culture to understand that because we have been around it. Our whole lives, we have been we have been around the rich our whole lives. We don't really have a proper mentality about the poor because we've been burnt so many times. And we've heard stories of people being burnt by people begging. And then they take your money and they run off and buy a hit or a gram or whatever they do. And it's like, I'm never giving to anybody ever again. It's like, okay, I understand where you're coming from. But you better find somebody somewhere. And be okay with giving to the poor. Because I do not want to come before him having this attitude that poor people just burn me, so I don't want him to have nothing to do with them when I stand before the Lord. I don't think that that's a proper perspective. Go ahead.
4: You, you said on, we too will be held responsible for treatment of the poor on all levels. And it just made me think, not just monetarily or financially. Right? There you go. Like, right. How guilty am I in um, having this arrogance about me because I've been raised in the church, right, and I have a little bit of Bible knowledge. Um, that I don't take time and give to those that are spiritually poor or weren't good. blessed to grow up, you know, with a mom who's
0: a believer and stuff, you know. Right, <laughs> no, that's good. Now that's a really good. That, that's that's a really good example. Um, you could even move into uh, uh, discipling people in discipleship and being able to nurture somebody and help somebody who doesn't quite have that knowledge. Uh, that's a good example. You
1: know, I had to admit- the Bible instructs us to do good to all people, but especially those in the household of faith. Household of faith, yeah. You can choose who you're going to help in the church. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a big issue. Oh, yeah. Everybody's here. Everybody should be equal and the
0: same in that aspect. Yeah, in it should be.
1: Church. Not just here in church.
0: Right, absolutely. That's good. Um, That clock is not working, John. Um. <laughs> But not at all. It just froze where you put 1042. it. Ten forty-two. Yeah, he did. He said that, didn't he? he? Totally spoke that and just blew the clock up. Yeah, that's The one, other one over there, right in front of you. Okay, yeah. Ten forty-two. Got it. Just got to keep up with the guys. Sorry. James was puzzled by favoritism toward the rich. Some of the believers were being oppressed and taken to court by the rich. The rich even slandered the name of Christ and yet received peripheral treatment by these believers. Oh, my goodness. It's like, what? It's like, you guys were, were taking these people to court and taking what they had left, and you were still receiving preference treatment from the church. Now, I want to stop right there. It hasn't changed a whole lot. No. <laughs> it not changed a whole lot at all. We got a whole sect of people out there. Um, you could you could call it Hollywood. You could call it a lot of different, lot of different things, lot of different sect of people. And it seems to be that there are things that are going on. Even people that call themselves a part of the church that get pre- preference treatment, get protected, get their arm get an arm put around and pull them over and say it'll be all right that we're still seeing that kind of stuff happen today. Now, I'm not casting judgment. I'm simply stating things that we have seen that are factual. I could dig you up some information. We, we can definitely say these things are factual. We've seen these things take place and happen. And so, I look, I don't want to be a part of that. We need to treat everybody equal across the board. So often we think on such a large scale, and we think everything in, in like large amounts. It's like, okay, well, forget that, though. What about just right here? What about in our little church of, I don't know, it's probably going to be about 65 here this morning, probably, maybe 70 if we're, if we're lucky. We hit 70. So what about just our treat our treatment of the people that are just here? It's like, I, I mean, I, I know all this other stuff, but remember what we talked about at the beginning. Let's forget about the big stuff. Let's forget about the large pats on the backs and the gratification. Let's just talk about how we treat each other here. And you might have to fight through some emotions and some feelings and your opinions about certain people, even in this church, to be to put everybody on the same playing field and treat them the same. And there's a really good chance that no one's going to even give you a pat on the back for it. No one's going to come up and say, oh, good job. I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of you for pushing through that. No one will probably ever know it. But we do it because we love him. Yeah. Yeah. Jimmy, you were saying something, brother. <laughs> Well, sometimes
2: we have to pray about what we're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And uh, if God tells you to do something, it don't matter if, if he tells you to take your bill of money and go do something with it and <laughs> give it to somebody else. Yeah. Now, it's hard to do, really. Hard is. to do. But <clears throat> if you do that, knowing that God told you to. Yeah. Not just doing it because, well, you know, mm-hmm. I know God's going to take care of me. Well, that's different. Right, right. Right. Uh, you, you do it because
0: God told you to do it, mm-hmm. you'll be blessed. Yeah, and good. you won't lose out. Yeah, you'll be blessed. You're right. That's good. Okay. Sometimes in our desire to win favor with those who can benefit us, we overlook their lack of concern for the things of God. Well, that's good. We must not cheapen the gospel. Everybody say cheapen the gospel. Cheapen the gospel. We must not cheapen the gospel by catering to those who are opposed to the message of salvation. Man, we are seeing that today. Oh, That's on big scale now is we see this in politics. We've talked about it in this church for a long time. It's like, okay, like we believe in our belief system when we want want good politicians to come up in the ranks and to come into an elected position and to serve with a good moral and a good ethic, Bible-based moral and ethic. But nobody wants to do it. Everybody says that's for the other guy. So what happened over the years is that people started taking on the position that were not moral and not ethical people. Oh, yeah, they had a name Republican by their name. But they weren't moral and ethical. And our fault as the church was we believed that they were. And so we just let them have all of the interests of the church. To vote and to stand for you and to protect you and all of those things. That doesn't make any sense. We gave away our ability to protect ourselves to people who do not have the same interests as you and I. We gave it away. And so, if the... (laughs) I'm not saying that the next president has to be a Christian that came out of the church. But it sure would be nice to have people rise up out of the church and say I'll do it I'll be the one to go I'll be the one to serve I'll be the one to take the yelling and the screaming and the fighting for the sake of the Christian community because church I don't know if you know this or not but we need some people like that badly we need some people in those positions we need some some people to rise up out of the church and to make a stand instead of the church being like you know have you heard old so and so I think he said he goes to church now I'm going to ask you a question How many times have you had that conversation with somebody and said that very thing? Mm -hmm. Have we lowered the bar so much that we're satisfied with the people who represent the church if they just might go to church? We don't even care what church they go to anymore.
4: Mm.
0: That's sad. What what has become of our bar in the way we want people to represent the name of Christ? Uh, I've seen stuff come across lately just infuriating at the representation of, being so inaccurate, I'm like, oh, this is despicable. But that, there it is. That's our representation, and that's what people believe that we do here behind closed doors. <clears throat> My brother, I remember a man, C.D.
2: this Scrivener. He uh, was always trying to give give me money. You know, and you know sometimes I'd be, you know, might say something, like, you know, about a bill or something, and he'll he'd be he, say, he said, uh, he come up and tell me he will to give me a $100 bill several times. And I said, no. Now this man has helped people fix a car. I went and bought them a new battery or just whatever they need. Mm-hmm. But he trying to give me a $100 bill, I had money in my pocket. I said, Brother C.D., I said, if I needed it, I'd take it. I said, but I, I, I don't need it. So one day he got in there and he come in there and he said, God told me to give you fifty dollars I said give it here brother <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah what are you gonna say what are you gonna say somebody wanted to bless you you're gonna have to go ahead and take it Amen. that's good okay let's let's jump over to section two guys I gotta I'm gonna try to catch up a little bit the royal law of scripture loving your neighbor is the royal law James commended those who kept this law which was decreed by God in the Old Testament law Leviticus uh, 19 and 18 and reaffirmed by Jesus in Matthew 22 this royal law governs all other laws actions and relationships and what let me just let's just ask real quick what is the royal law someone tell me real quick what is it it's right here
4: love your neighbors, love your
0: neighbors yourself. yourself okay now that says here in this lesson it says the royal law governs it governs all other laws and actions and relationships. If we keep this law in proper focus, we will avoid favoritism. The key word in the, this royal law is love. It's love, and I think we have to start there. It's, before we even move to loving somebody like ourselves, you have to define what love is. You have to get that right. You have to understand what that means. And you have to make sure that you understand what's, con- what's contrary to love. Well, what's contrary to love is, is bitterness, all right? Bitterness and anger and frustration, it's like, okay, I understand in your day-to-day lives, you're going to have some of those things. Some of you work at places you can't stand, and you work around people that you can't stand. I'm not negating that emotion. You're going to have that happen. Absolutely, you're going to have that happen. But the thing about it is, is it moves it moves—it moves away from love when we start allowing bitterness to stay. When we start allowing anger to stay. And it just has a permanency in our lives. And the way we view those people and the way we view individuals, it, it, has, a, it has a hold on you. You could even say it's binding. And, and when you start looking at the, the royal law, it's like love others as, as you love yourself. It's like, hold on, hold on, hold on. You telling me I got to love them? Yes. And that's the challenge. I told you recently that was probably one of the biggest <laughs> revelations that I ever got personally. God challenged me personally. Love them. Love them. And I was like, whoa, because every time it just went deep, it went so deep down in my spirit. And I was, oh man, I am not where I need to be with this. Because it, I got to really thinking about some of the things that I was holding inside, like right inside of me. In my makeup, I had some bitterness and some anger and some frustration towards other people. Uh, I think I said we were talking about this last time. Remember, you know. You know there's something wrong if you don't want to be on the same aisle in the grocery store with them. You know something's wrong. You avoid them. I don't even want to talk to them. I don't have nothing to do with them. All right. You better check your love. You better check your love because that's going to govern who you are as an individual. Is how you're loving them because if you give yourself permission to not love them, who's next? If you give yourself permission to not love them, I don't love them, I've got my reasons, whatever they are, then who's next? And then before too long, you've got a list of things that need to be let go of.
2: I think we get caught up a lot of times in love being simply a feeling.
0: That's good. Or that's...
2: butterflies in your stomach. <laughs> but love is more of an action. than
0: anything. So, That's so good. Yeah. Yes, it is.
1: Sometimes love don't feel good.
0: No, no that's that's right. That's a good thing. Well, I wish we could talk about that for a long time because mm-hmm. the butterfly feeling or the vomit feeling. You know, it's like this contrast, and when we look at it as being either either it's this way or that way, but love is action. Love is the way we treat them, and so that's really good. Uh, that was probably one of the one of the things that uh, um, I, I can't remember who was it. I was reading a book, and that's what he said. He goes, uh, this individual said, I I was challenged by the Lord when I was trying to avoid somebody because I didn't want to talk to him, and he said, Hey, that's not love. And he said, Well, let my guard down and go talk to him. Because love, it's action. It's in the action. All right, so that's good. Um, James said, If you favor some people over others, you are committing a sin. You are guilty of breaking the law. Some of James' readers may have prided themselves on observing God's law. However, if they failed to show love for even one person, they became uh, guilty of breaking all of the law. By loving others, obeying the royal law, we are obeying, obeying the law. Now, keep, keep in mind, just, I, I, we are obeying the law. things that god has put in front of us and now we don't have to it's we're not under the old covenant but we have been given the command in the new testament to be obedient to god's word and then we see where he's telling us to love others as ourselves so we need to love so it's it's still it's still alive it's still there after all love is the uh is the fulfilling of the law we do not treat people impartially we are breaking God's law, bringing dishonor to him and his church. Well, it makes perfect sense to me, especially if we're going to be, uh, be involved with Christ. Um, we talk about carrying the cross, right? We talk about being examples, and this whole lesson comes back down to faith is about living it out. So why wouldn't we have to love people that are hard to love? It makes perfect sense. You are hard to love. Would you agree?
1: I'm
0: hard to love. (laughs) (laughs) We're not going to, we're not going to go on a scale or anything, but if you think, if you think about, you think about how hard you are to love sometimes. Now that's from a physical standpoint. That's just from some of the the mannerisms and your personality defects and all these other things that you wrestle with, and your you know your spouse has to deal with it, right? Uh, your your family has to deal with it. My kids have to deal with it. Your kids have to deal with it. And so you've got these these things that you wrestle with. But how much more? How much more? When God looks at you and He knows the every intent of your heart, mm-hmm. and He still loves you. Now that's taking it to another level. I, I think it's like a privilege not to know what you're thinking. <laughs> like, I don't know what you're thinking. Good. I don't want to know what you're thinking. Because that's going to make it that much harder for me to love you. But see, Christ, he already knows your thoughts, knows every hair on your head, knows everything that's going on inside. He's like, I'll die for you. Amen. But then, see, flip it. He says, I want you to love them the way that I've loved you. Mm. See that's good I told you I told you when before we started this thing I said that's gonna be you're gonna have to take some of this with you and chew on it that's some tough jerky right there it's I gotta love them like you've loved me I know how he's loved me I mean the the amount of patience the time when I the times when I thought man this is it right here I don't think there's any more forgiveness in the tank and he just came and he loved he said nope I'll still forgive you let's go keep moving how often do we give that to other people? Yeah. I mean, that's some really serious forgiveness. That's some serious stuff, so chew on that. <laughs> chew on it. Okay. Um, the seriousness of disobeying God's word is seen in James. We must remember God will judge our actions and attitudes. James urged his readers to live in obedience to the word because they would be judged by the law that sets you free, judged by the law of liberty. The Jews were governed by a set of man-made regulations added to the law. These rules brought bondage. The law of liberty is the desire placed within us by the Spirit to please God. Because that's really what we all want, right? We want to please God. But you don't please Him unless you're being obedient to His Word. Not something that's made up. Mm-hmm. Believers will be judged by God's Word. 2 in Corinthians 5.10. But the law by which we are judged is not like the legal system imposed by the Jewish religious leaders. God's law gives us freedom as we walk in the Spirit. This is the, the freedom that we're talking about here is the freedom to choose. He says, and, I, and I'm, just, I'm just breaking this down. He's saying, I'm not going to make you do it. You got to want to do it. I'm not going to make you do it. You got to want to do it. And I've been very open before. I s- God, sometimes I wish you would just make us do it. But see, that's not free choice, though. He's got to allow you to choose. That's, that's going to be the, the law of liberty. In James 2.13, and closing this out, James emphasized the need to be merciful. Because we have received God's mercy, we are to show mercy to others, including those who are different from us and those from whom we will never receive anything. If we do not show mercy, we will be judged without mercy. That was the scripture right there, and I'll just tell you. That's Matthew 18.23-35. Uh, there's, that there's a scripture in there, and it says, And this is just the example. If we do not show mercy, we will be judged. That's exactly what it says. You will be judged without mercy. And it's talking about when you stand before him. And just to think about this for just a minute, and then we're we're closing because we're out of time. Okay, let's take that in the most literal sense. Most literal. I believe it's literal. It says you're going to be judged this way. Okay. Your life's over. And you have shown quite a bit of lack of mercy to a lot of people in your life. you got a lot of baggage you've been carrying around. Life's over. We need no redos. And now we stand before it. This scripture right here comes into play. The scripture comes into play. You forget all the stuff that you did, forget it. He's going to say, now, I want to see what kind of mercy that you showed to others. Let's look at your life. And how you showed mercy will be how I show you mercy right now. Yeah, it, it raked me over the coals. That was the scripture right there. It bit me over backwards. And I said, Lord, have mercy. Please, help me to forgive people and to show mercy like you've shown me mercy. I don't deserve your mercy. I mean, people, People really don't deserve anything good, obviously. We didn't either, though. So chew on that this morning. Him. We're gonna stand before Him one day, and there's some regulations here in the New Covenant that tell us a little bit about a glimpse of what it's gonna be like when we stand before Him. This is one of them. I'm gonna judge you with the with the same mercy that you gave to other people. Let's make sure we got everything in place. God bless you guys. Thank you. Amen.